0: The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been
1: made possible by donations from listeners like you. Live from the backseat of a unit Land Rover, this is Doctor Who PodShock. Doctor Who PodShock. Okay,
0: well, let's do it now. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science-fiction television program with Lewis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News... Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh yeah, is I'm the Doctor,
2: and who are you? Who are you? Who are you?
1: Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who PodShock, episode 142. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Lewis Trapani. Hello, and welcome back to the studio. And across the Great Pond, Mr. James Naughton.
3: Hello, as ever.
1: Well, this is an exciting episode. We're going to be. Uh, wrapping up, reviewing our trip to Gallifrey 20 or Gallifrey 120 to life. Was the, name, the official name of the convention at the Los Angeles Airport Marriott, LAX Marriott, back in February 2009. Well, this is recorded almost at the end of February. We wanted to keep it fresh on our minds. We learned a lot. We have a lot of information to deliver. So we wanted to get a pod shock out that kind of wraps up some of our experiences and, and we'll have a What We Learned at Gallifrey 20 segment today. So, does that sound good, chaps?
3: Sounds awesome.
0: Yes, yes. So yeah, it was an amazing time and and we got to see, we finally, all three shooting stars came <laughs> together, Pachok, United, finally in person, James, Ken, and myself.
1: And, in the flash. And, and and our supporting cast was there in force. Billy, Mike, Joshua, I mean the whole crew behind the scenes helping us out and, and making it mm-hmm. all come together. So we were all in one spot. It was it was very nice to have everybody face to face and just be able to to hang out a bit. Yeah, it
3: was really, really cool. And I have to say, um right off the bat, um big, big thanks to Billy. Josh and Mike—they did a terrific job behind the scenes, um, and we really couldn't have done it without them. And uh, it was—it was awesome to meet those guys as well as as you, Lewis and Ken, because, yeah. well, it—the it, the whole kind of message, I think, behind the whole convention. Um, was just how amazingly friendly everybody was and how I think I'd go so far as to say it's the best convention that I've ever been to, not just in terms of a Doctor Who convention, but just in terms of conventions as a whole. I mean, I've been to um, comic cons and Star Trek conventions, Star Wars conventions, as well as Doctor Who cons as well, Uh, mainly here in the UK, obviously, but the whole just uh, atmosphere of the convention was superb and I think that that's part and parcel of the fact that it is a three-day convention which from my perspective is quite unusual because here in the UK we usually just have one day conventions maybe two-day conventions um, and usually people just travel there in one day and, and do it one day and then then go home but you could go up and you could speak to anybody and everybody. And it was awesome. The first day that, um, that I got there, um, I met Ken in the lobby and, and, and after that, <laughs> I was it, camped
1: out in the lobby.
3: <laughs> it was, it was just amazing. People would come up and, you know, hear your voice and say, Oh, you're James from Podshock or whatever. Hi, great to finally meet you. It was just such a friendly, cool atmosphere. And, and it was almost like the best aspects of the convention, were the stuff that was on the periphery of of the programming. The parties and just hanging out in the lobby and and meeting people and having drinks. That was almost as good, if not better, than the convention programming. So I just want to say a big thanks to everybody who we met. And in particular, I'd like to say thanks to Billy, Josh and Mike. Awesome.
0: Yeah, well, they were the I, and unsung heroes. I mean, um, definitely, you know, they really did a lot as far as behind the scenes work, and we really have to give um, our hats off to them and kudos um, because um, they really made sure everything went off without a hitch, and they did a lot that you don't really see or hear in the podcast. So, many thanks to them.
1: A lot of a lot of great information from behind the scenes as well. Also uh, Barnaby from D W D W N Y, uh, helping me out with with a few things behind the scenes as well. Just uh, keeping me in the loop on some of the things that were going on and and tipping me off to things that we should be involved in over the course of the weekend and stuff. And and that was that was really amazing. And Josh, uh, really just. The, it was his hospitality. I mean, L.A. is his town and his hospitality towards us over the course of the whole weekend, rec- recommending places to eat and taking us out. And, and, and really, uh, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest helps was when we got when Lewis and I got there on Wednesday, just bringing us to Target, the, the store. <laughs> Target. I mean, uh, that saved me a ton of money because I didn't have to buy things in the hotel that were five times, times the price yeah, uh, times. that you would find at at Target. And that stay on target. When, when you get when you when you uh get some things that you need that make you uh feel comfortable, you know, when you get some of the Personal essentials. Mm-hmm. You suddenly feel like okay, I'm. Um, I can relax now. I, I'm. I'm. You know, I have the things I need to get through my day. That was a big help. I also want to say, James, you're much taller in person. I yeah, that was my I biggest surprise too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I remember when uh, I think w- when we first got back to my room and we were stood out on the. Uh, Balcony. The the balcony, and we were taking pictures and stuff, and, uh, you know, both you and Josh made a remark, you're a lot taller than I imagined, <laughs> it, made, it, made me, it made me giggle, you know, it kind of, it kind of was on a par with, um, last year you were talking about people would, would come up and speak to you and say, oh yeah, I recognise your voice, you're the guys from Podshock. You look nothing like I imagined you would. <laughs> just from your voice. It was a bit like that, so I mean, just even for for you guys to say those things, you know, it, it was even funnier to to hear it from you as as well as from from everybody else. So, I mean, tell yeah. you what,
0: not one, that you're unusually that I, tall, just that taller than we expected.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed meeting the guys from Radio Free and, and Tacky on TV as well. Uh, the yeah. guys from Radio Free have an even greater sense of humor in person. I mean, they let a lot of their, their humor um, translate onto their podcast, but in person, they're just killing me. Oh, yeah, Some of the stuff they were talking it. about and, you know, references they make. Um, it was a lot of fun. And we all agreed that that having—we went from one podcast, Podshock, last year at 19— to having three this year, and then we're hoping to invite even more podcasters next year and create uh, just our podcasting community. Do what we do well. It helps the convention. It makes it more fun for all of us. And it really just gets the word out about what it is to be in, in a solid podcasting community uh, with everybody mm-hmm. pulled resources together to help each other out. And it, it was just a lot of fun. I, I, everybody brings something different to the table, and that's one of the... The nice things about podcasting is that everybody yeah. does something a little bit different, but but we all do the same thing. We we put out a podcast. We share that in common, and mm. we share Doctor Who in common. And that's, and
3: that's really even more. The, mm.
1: Yeah, made the weekend very fun. <laughs> you know, running around and 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 hitting the parties and stuff. And as many of you heard in the live show, and we had a blast in the live show. The the reception was was. Um, it was great you know people seemed to enjoy it seeing it done live and we had a great lineup of guests and we hope everybody was surprised by Daphne Ashbrook joining us up on stage that was something that Lewis and I were working on behind the scenes for a while to to have somebody be a surprise it's the 20th anniversary and and I and- guess people who were going to the live show might have expected that some people from the con were going to be there of course but to have somebody who actually made an effort to come mm-hmm. and join us on stage that, that wasn't, wasn't on the schedule at the, at yeah. the convention uh, I I really um, I really have to say tip of the hat to to Daphne and Vito for helping us yes, out with this. Yes, that.
3: that was awesome. Thank but you but so much. Being a friend
1: of Podshock really means a lot to us. And it was really
0: interesting because it was not just us, but Daphne, but we had Phil Collinson, and the two of them were sort of interviewing each other at one point, which um, was was really nice to see them playing off each other and, and getting more information about you know the series and, and the movie and and how the mm-hmm. two relate to each other.
1: Well, mm. uh, prior to the live show, I, I had de- I pre-interviewed all three guests uh, over the course of the weekend le- leading up, just letting them know what we were going to do and what they should expect. And when I mentioned to Phil that um, Daphne was going to be a surprise guest, he was genuinely excited. He's like, "Great! I've never met her before. And I was, right then and there, I had this warm, great feeling inside me, like this is going to be something cool tomorrow because they've never met. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I know that, based on Doctor Who Confidential, that, that Phil and, and Russell and the crew on the current show do appreciate that 96 movie. Yes. That's something that they, they acknowledge as something they enjoy. So to me, I knew right then and there, I'm like, great, this is awesome. I was hoping that everything was going to come out well. I hope you, the audience, uh, enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it.
4: Mm.
3: Because it really was great that they had a, a natter almost, and um, I gave I gave my mic to to uh, Daphne. to Daphne. She came on on stage, and uh, and and she she apologised afterwards because you know she she meant oh I meant to share it more with you, but I was like no no that's fine because <laughs> the whole time that I was sat there I'm just thinking my God. I'm sitting next to Dr. Grace Holloway, you know Daphne Ashbrook. How awesome is this? And then when the two of them started to just chat and we could just sit back and I mean it, the interview did itself basically. It was it was really awesome and and you could tell that they had a mm-hmm. they they really sparked and they really hit it off both of them which was and of was really course, cool. Um
1: toby was hilarious so oh <laughs> yes. absolutely i didn't hurt I mean, either <laughs> and, and i felt a little bit bad because when the two of them started to talk toby was suddenly sitting there looking left and right and saying okay and he had to bow out uh because he had another panel so he he stepped out uh before the end of the show but we understood why why he had to split so we had a, a nice blend there and i'm daphne too to having a girl up on stage when it was a guys only party for a, a large part of the show and. Suddenly we had a you know a pretty girl up on stage. It was nice to break that up, but um, mm. so that's that's pretty much a, a wrap up of of what was going on on stage. But we we I had a, just a, a be... number of other things going on I, I just over to make the a course point. of the weekend, and can... I, and I want to say thanks to the oh. again to the other podcasts. I was listening to the Radio Free Scaro guys. Over the last two weeks since coming back from Gallifrey, just to catch up on some of the stuff I missed. I mean, they had one-on-one interviews with, like, Rob Sherman and and um, and Phil Ford and things like that. People that we missed simply because the weekend is so hectic. You go there as a podcaster with all your little gizmos, and you, Billy has a uh, a portable recorder, and Lewis has two portable recorders, and we still wind up not interviewing everybody. We didn't interview Nick LeBriant. We didn't interview Colin Baker. And um, apparently nobody interviewed Colin Baker because I didn't see Tachyon or or um, yeah, he or Radio Free Sparrow um,
0: at the Alien Entertainment table with the sitting, you know signing and such like that. I, I just want to make a point because we're just talking about our live show that you could if you haven't caught it, it's in Podchuck episode 141. So um, if you're listening to this show without hearing um, episode 141 yet, go back and listen to that. It's a great show you know, as uh, you'll have a great time listening to it. Um, again, Dr. Who, Pachak 141.
1: Righto. So there was, a, let's say, let's go around the horn here and say what some of the things that we, uh, either from panels or discussions with people, was there anything that um, you're taking away from Gallifrey 20 that you might have learned, either about something coming up in the show or something about either an actor or a writer, or, you know, something in a panel that, you say, Oh, that was great. I learned this, or I found out something I really wanted to know. Was there, James, was there something that, that you thought you, know, you took away from Gallifrey 20? you were like, okay,
3: there, w- there was loads of things to be honest, but the highlight for me was actually a question that you asked to, uh, Wendy Padbury mm-hmm. in terms of something that, you know, I, I learned out there was, um, there was, I think it was like the second or the third panel of the first day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, on, the on the Friday. Early on Friday. Yeah, early early on the Friday, anyway. Nicola Bryant was on stage, and Wendy Padbury and Fraser Hines showed up late because uh, they were having lunch, and I guess that they didn't have the, their people weren't around to say, hey, you've got a panel in a sec, you know. So they, they turned up sort of five, ten minutes late, which is quite cute, and, and they, they were hugely apologetic and all the rest of it. But um, it was just basically like an open discussion with the audience and people got the chance to ask questions. And Ken stood up and you asked a corker of a question because you, you had heard from someone that um, a, a reliable source of information that Wendy Padbury actually discovered Matt Smith or, or was her, her his first agent. That's true, And just, yeah. and just hearing her talking about him, and saying how that she thinks that he will be great as the doctor, and how what a terrific actor he is, and all the rest of it, and how they sort of came together and uh, uh, and 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 worked on a lot of stuff was I really asked what,
1: what we could expect from Matt Smith. And she, uh, independent of hearing uh, Stephen Moffat's comments about Matt Smith, they said almost the identical thing, and that's one yes. of the things. Uh, that was almost like a like corroboration of um that this guy's gonna be a great doctor because mm. she said almost the same thing he said, and she lives in France, so I'm pretty sure she didn't watch the eleventh doctor oh, sure. yeah. confidential
0: yeah
1: and um and she said almost the same thing about that he you can't take your eyes off him that he's just got this charisma, this personal charisma that's uh, that's just you know, ridiculous, and and that was great to hear. And I, I think it was—I think it may have been Mike or Barnaby that that tipped me off to that in advance. That kind of mm. said, "Hey, by the way, I think you should know this." And uh, I asked Wendy when I ran into her in the lobby because you spend all your time at Gallifrey in the lobby. <laughs> if like if that was true, and when she said yes, and she was sitting up on stage with with Fraser and and Nicola, and a lot of questions were going to Nicola because she's doing a lot of big finish stuff and. And they're doing this lost season for Big Finish with, with Colin. Um, and Wendy was getting the, the occasional question, the whole, so, you know, what's your favorite episode? And I, you know, the, the, the questions that you get at a lot of Doctor Who conventions. And I knew that she wasn't going to be joining us on the live show. So I, said, I I just have to throw this out there. I want to see what the reaction is going to be. And the oohs and ahs in the, yeah. in the audience were in incredible. Crowd, yeah. I wish we would have had a recording of it because I would love – to put it out on the feed, just that question and answer, so you could hear the genuine excitement that it, it, you talk about um, how these these circles work. And I, I I don't know if you, if you have any sense of um, if you're one of those people that believes in these kind of things that 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 someone from the classic show was involved in 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 discovering the new doctor and after 45 years of history in. In the UK, I don't know. Is it, there's more to it than that. Mm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic, but uh, you know, sometimes things like this happening—like, you know, is it a, is it that small a world?
3: <laughs> but also, it's really cool that she's kind of. It's nice that she's given her approval of him, not only as his former agent, but as a former companion, as someone who's played, who's she, was
1: we gave the new Doctor the thumbs up. That's all you exactly. need to know.
3: <laughs> Exactly, and and that is 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 glowing praise, and I think the crowd was really excited about what she said because it was like a, a huge endorsement. And and anybody I think who had any doubts about Matt Smith, oh, he's too young, um, he you know he's not got the experience or whatever. I think that pretty much all of those cobwebs were blown away as soon as <laughs> Wendy started to talk about how they met. You know how she approached him and and the kind of things that she she you know got for him and 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 the plays that he was in and so on It was really really awesome to hear her talk so enthusiastically and and so with such excitement about seeing him in New (laughs) Who as well Which that was that was the highlight for me in terms of learning something new that I didn't know before going to the convention Um, Anyway, Lewis your thoughts.
1: Wait, wait, before you, let me just finish up on that. One of her thing, one of the things she said was, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to paraphrase here. She said, oh, and he's hot. <laughs> That's what she said. So there you go. Yeah.
3: He said, he said something like, she said something like he's going to be a real hit with the ladies. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, or, 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 yeah. I think we're both paraphrasing, but it, it, she endorsed him on that level several times as well. I think. Mm.
1: So, an enthusiastic reception. <laughs> okay lewis what did you what did you well, discover this is um I
0: mean relates to the show itself, and you know coming from last year you know the the three days go by incredibly fast, and this year it just it was no exception in fact it felt like it went by even faster and and just um going by commenting more about what Ken had said that we really that there was just so much going on there, and as busy as we were, it still felt like we weren't doing enough and So, um, I don't know. I mean, next year we need to, um, that's the problem with Gallifrey is that it's too good. There's so much going on and it's so targeted to our interests. It's not like it's a, a general science fiction convention where you have three days and you can space things apart because, you know, oh, alright, well, I'm not really that much interested in this topic or whatever, but with Gallifrey, you're interested in everything So and you can't be at everything at once obviously, and plus we're there not only to enjoy the convention, which we, di- which we did, you know, of course, but we were also there to, uh, as Doctor Who Pod doing recordings and getting material for the show and mm. uh stuff like that so um it's it's challenging you know so as much as um you know as much planning as we did for this year i think we need to do even more so next year and it's uh, but it's it's a lot of fun and um as as you said it was great meeting um up with the everyone from Radio Free Scarrow and Behind the Sofa uh we had a great time the convention took place at you know in, in the um um you know the 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 rooms that were were designated for the convention, but the other half of the convention the unofficial convention, as Ken alluded to, is in the lobby and partly in champions the the bar there so <laughs> it's a it's a really a twenty four hour event because uh, when there's always something going on at the hotel,
1: yeah, although I have to give thumbs down to champions for on a Saturday night closing at what was it midnight or you know, one a m yeah one a m they had but they stopped serving at
0: twelve thirty it's really lame. I mean you yeah, have we a, had a hundreds bunch of, of people
4: there and, waving and money in the sucked.
1: air, you know, wanting to pay and here we were stimulating the economy and uh and and they was like, "No, sorry, we're closing." It's like, "Dude, where are we going to, you know, we're here. We're we're customers. Yeah. throwing money at you. Stop. Keep the doors open."
3: That was that was beyond lame and and I hope I don't know if we can talk to Sean or something and sort that out for next year, but it, it's really sad that they aren't enterprising, and they're not thinking. Okay, if we can just lay on a few extra staff, and just stay open for a couple of more hours, because, you know, realistically, you know, it goes on all night. The people and are in the Saturday lobby at 5 right a.m. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, Mike was there to see the opening of Starbucks, and still <laughs> got up at, at like 9, 10 in the morning to to be at the con to to, to go to the programming so and i think even on his last night we were there at like three and he had to be up at six to catch his plane and he was still there partying hard in in the uh, in the lobby along with everybody else so it it uh, that was a poor show i have to say and uh who knows maybe next year we'll have to uh to to talk to the guys over at champions and say hey you know come on
1: sort <laughs> yeah, it out set up straight, huh? yeah exactly well uh, we'll see we'll see if we can pull that off <laughs>
3: Pod shock, uh, yeah, that'll happen. But well, we can we can live in hope, can't we? We can live in hope.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was I was um, surprised at the Torchwood reception at Gallifrey this year. There was yeah, yeah. Uh, just a an enormous wave of people uh, into Torchwood, which you knew would would grow, of course. But a, a good portion of the crowd was there for Torchwood things. We had um. um kai owen and um i'm, I'm blanking out of the uh,
3: um david lloyd's oh i can't remember Gareth his surname Lloyd.
1: Gareth Gareth Lloyd.
3: David Lloyd. and then they wrong? had a
1: surprise guest as well on friday so we had two surprise guests we had daphne ashbrook at the live show on sunday and they had um Komori. yes Toshi. who played
3: toshiko yes yeah.
1: i was uh i was Coming down from the lobby, <laughs> heading down the escalator, and there's a girl with um, like a hooded sweatshirt over her head, and she came sneaking in and sat in the back and raised her hand and, and asked a question, and when everybody turned around to look to see who it was, she took the the hooded sweatshirt off, and I, once again, just one of the best things about a convention is when you get that, oh, sound out of a crowd, <laughs> uh, and that was amazing, so they had an amazing Friday Torchwood panel with mm. a surprise guest, and there's just the reception from from Torchwood in general. And there's a, actually we we found out I think it was at Comic-Con that Comic Con that I got this flyer. There's um, there's going to be a, an appearance, a convention and live appearance by John Barrowman in Chicago, which is pretty amazing. Uh, pretty amazing. The the convention's called Torch Song, Chicago, and John Barrowman's going to be there live in person on June fifth. 6th and 7th, 2009. And it is uh, from space-debris.com. That's that's who's putting it on. Space-debris is the thing. And it's at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont, Illinois. And June 5th, 6th, 7th, 2009. John Barrowman live in person. The tickets are not cheap, but I just wanted to give you the heads up about that. Because Torchwood fans and Doctor Who fans in general, to the best of my knowledge, this is his first U.S convention uh mm-hmm. outside of like the, the comic-con thing which such, really yeah. to me isn't a convention mm-hmm. it's more like a trade show uh, the san diego comic con yeah
0: and he's done book signings as well
1: sure yeah but this is a first you know convention and it's strictly he's the main guest so yeah
0: and he's not and cheap either to my understanding so it doesn't surprise me that the, the ticket prices um might be a little
1: higher than expected yeah, they have, I mean, he's doing his cabaret show, you know, singing and, and doing stuff from his album, in addition to the usual autographs and panels and signings, the things that you'd expect from a convention. That's pretty cool, uh, actually. I'm sure you're going to get your money's worth, uh, you know, so. Who's John Barrowman, for yes. crying out loud? I mean, that, <laughs> you know, it's like having David Tennant, you know, you're going to get your money's worth if David Tennant shows up.
0: Mm. So it um, may uh, happen someday, you know, um,
3: <laughs> I'm sure most it will.
1: One of the most anticipated um, big finish releases of the year, I think in November, December, is going to be An Earthly Child with Paul McGann and Carol Ann Ford, where Paul McGann's doctor um, reunites with, with Susan Foreman. And Paul McGann's on the guest list for Chicago TARDIS in November. I'm going to go out on a limb and have no information. This is not official. But I would, I'm going to suspect... I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they had Carol Ann Ford. That would be a great double bill. You'd have Susan Foreman and the Eighth Doctor on a thing, you know, on a on a convention together. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that on the flight home because I was listening to the Big Finish podcast and they were talking about this release that they're doing, and I'm like, oh man, I hope she comes to the states again because she hasn't done a convention in, in in the states for in a while. I think she was on one of the sea cruises or something, right? Uh, probably yeah I know, I know uh you and i haven't
0: seen her in, in a good 20 years so
1: yeah but, uh, Gal, um who went 85 yeah. i think Jeez. <laughs> <What is the laughs> quarter was the quarter of a century so it was a torchwood was my surprise you know things i learned that and the matt smith thing with wendy Padbury and and the and like i said they just the meeting of the other podcasters was a huge highlight and uh, I yeah. suggested on the on the podcasting panel that next year we do a radio row. And if you picture when we had that um, hallway leading to the main hall, which is going to be expanded for next year because they set, once again, set the record for attendance. I mm-hmm. think they had like 1,300 people, yeah. which is up yes. from over yes. 1,000 last year. Uh, you know they're going to top that for next year. Peter Davison's already been announced, and, and the the word around the campfire is they've asked his daughter, uh, Georgia Moffat to join them next year, the, the doctor's daughter literally and figuratively. Um, so they've already announced a guest, and it's a doctor, and it's a great doctor and a great convention guest. So you've got a year worth of anticipation t- in seeing Peter Davison. I think that's going to be good for the con. And I, you know they're going to ask probably some Torchwood guests uh, for next year to keep that momentum going. So the convention's going to be bigger and better for, for Gallifrey 21, and we're going to be back there. I, I love the fact that it's not on Valentine's valentine's day weekend yeah, it's the, it's the week, weekend after. it's the
0: following weekend now was there any mention on why i mean not that i i, I have no problems with it but yeah it's because my wife's
1: getting ready to divorce me. <laughs> so so it was because of you <laughs> no no i think there were many people who were on the verge of divorce thanks to the gallifrey being on, well, on valentine's traditionally
0: weekend. they do it so it's um backed with president's day so that people have a day to um decompress on president's day without having to go to work the following day after the convention so that's why i was just curious day um, nothing i needed a week to
1: decompress yes, from yeah right. at
3: least yeah. i'm still yeah. I, i'm yeah. still not with it after yeah. you know <laughs> over a week now um I, so, the thing uh, is- so what
1: i was suggesting was doing taking that hallway you know they had all those tables out this year and you had a few people like some other convention set up some things and uh to to kind of promote whatever goings-on you had in conventions or, or literary, literary clubs and things like that. I want to have all the podcasters there just outside so we're all together and and people, the guests and the fans and anybody who's just there hanging out can come by and say, hello, we set up an interview with John Levine uh, just spontaneous. John came over and sat down. We put the mobile recorder out, down. We sat at one of these tables and the, the crowd just gathered around and there was there was a spontaneous energy not only in the podcast and with the with our guest but but from the crowd people who just come over and see that we were interviewing somebody and and it was right in the middle of the hallway and stuff so i think that could be something cool for next year I and mean, and i'm i'm going to try to encourage some of the other podcasters we have a year to plan this so um, let's see if these guys get on board let's 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 create a dial- dialogue about it and see if we can make it happen mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's kind of almost my biggest regret is that uh, about the con, as Lewis had alluded to this earlier, that there's just so much going on and it's so kind of hectic and you're you're running around all over the place trying to see and do as much as you can. I really would have liked to have spent more time with uh, the Radio Fuskara guys and the guys from Taki on TV. They're really, really cool. Um, the awesome thing about the panel that we did with them uh, on Saturday was that we have the, whole, the full spectrum there in terms of uh, the types of show. We have Radio Free which is just they hit the button, they record, that's it, it's out there on the site. We have Us, which is you know somewhat polished. Lewis does a terrific job with adding sound effects and the artwork and the enhanced podcast, uh, but it's not scripted. We don't script anything. But then you have uh, Tachyon TV guys, you know, uh, and they do occasionally do script stuff and do put more of a polish on things. So that was a really nice uh, thing to see in terms of the panel f- for people. But also they're just, they're just a really cool bunch of guys. And I mean, that comes off if you listen Again, to their the podcast. the sense
1: of humor from everybody is just amazing.
3: Yeah. terrific. And, you know, we were sat there at the panel and we were having a real camaraderie. And I think anybody <laughs> who came along um, and, and, and... And
1: and it's available was, by the way, if you want to hear that. Um, Radio yeah, Fuscaro released the the audio of the panel on their feed. Yeah, and I also yes. have a
0: recording of it as well, which I'll make. It, it won't be on our feed, but I'll make it available on um, on our site as well as a as yeah, separate. a bonus. Yeah,
3: okay, As a cool. bonus, download. Well,
0: because it's it deals with podcasting, so most of our audience probably you know the, unless you're a techie and you you know that's something that you're interested, you can go to our site and get it. But otherwise, I think for, we have such a wide audience. That just are interested in Doctor Who and may not be interested in podcasting, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah, general. Podcasting, it's, yeah, it's a bit
1: of a niche thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic! So that's some of the stuff that that happened at, at Gallifrey Twenty, and and, and it, it always seems like we we spend the whole year building up to it, and even though we do other conventions and stuff, but Gallifrey is uh, it really is it, is something that's that's very unique, and it's uh, it's just a great atmosphere. The the and unless you 've been there you don 't really get the fact that it 's just so easy going, and we 're all there for the same reason and it 's not a pushing and shoving cattle pen kind of con it 's a very relaxed even the line i mean toby haydock 's performance on Saturday night had a line that weaved back and forth through the entire convention center, and people just sat down and Struck up conversations with with other people they'd never met before, and there's a a bit of a bonding that go that goes on there. And you might meet people that you're going to see again next year. And Josh put it very well when he said, "This is my same time next year friends." That even if you don't see these people mm-hmm. till a year later, you pick up right where you left off yeah, because you all might, yeah. share the same, the same thing. Yeah, you share the same thing. Absolutely.
3: Mm. And that's that's as I said, I think is the best thing about the con is just the whole friendly nature of it and that everybody's up for it and there's no kind of it's also the
1: kind of thing like you you get mad that you miss certain things like i we Mm -hmm. our podcasting panel i think was up against the meet and greet the real type of meet and greet not the type of meet and greet we were doing at champions uh the meet and greet for some of the other conventions chicago tardis hurricane who the sea cruise and i would like to go to that because i like hearing some of the ideas and some of the plans going on for other conventions because I start to think, well, do I have to start making my travel plans? You know, is that something I'd be into? Or do, do I know somebody who would be into this? I know um, TimeGate in Atlanta, which is Memorial Day weekend 2009. Uh, they originally had Louise Jameson. They She had to bow out. So they've now changed, and they have Mary Tam and mm-hmm. Terrence Dix. Now, the minute our friend Billy heard that it was Mary Tam and Terrence Dix, he immediately started planning for going to that convention because those are two guests that he's never seen and that are that he really wants to meet so right off the bat he's like i'm going to time gate now and that's the kind of information that we share when, when we're there and you're hearing things from other conventions i to me that's like one of the reasons for going to that. some people i think you know one of the other podcasters is like well why would you want to go see a panel of other conventions and we'll because you're gonna you may find out something that changes your travel plans radically
0: yeah and again this is a convention by fans for fans so of, of course they're, they're welcoming to it's it's not a competitive thing where oh well you know it's not like is competing with Chicago TARDIS and and hurricane
1: there's a there's a bond between them all because they again they're they're uh, geographically they're they're a distance away from each other, and they're and on the calendar, they're at different times yeah, of the year. Apart. And let's face it, they're going to draw the same type of people, Doctor Who fans. And like podcasting, we're all in the same community. We 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 all just win if we all work together. It's that simple. Um, I also I missed the panel. There was a panel on the very first Doctor Who convention in the United States. It took place in Los Angeles in 1979. Um, I had a Great conversation with Amy, one mm-hmm. of the people who was involved in that, and she was showing me. Well, I, I got a, the private version of this at our at our table uh, on Saturday night. Uh, uh, the slideshow she had it on her laptop and was showing me some of the the photographs of Tom Baker and and Elizabeth Sladen and Ian Martyr and stuff. That was great. I was just to see the the early days of of conventions in the United States, and and Lewis and I were at some of those early conventions in the early to mid 80s but yeah. and, and speaking of slideshows
0: I was doing that with Colin Baker uh, the week yeah. before at the New York Comic Con I was I had him on my iPhone I had you know the iPhone has a photo gallery um, application on it so I had all these uh, classic pictures from going back to the early 80s and showing Colin Baker and he was having a ball but he he, he, he wants to get an iPhone <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyone wants to give him a gift an iPhone is the <laughs> is the, the gift to give to Colin Baker especially so, um, if
1: it has that BBC news app so he can get his cricket scores yeah, exactly exactly.
0: So but he had a great time. He was going through and we're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." And and you know, this is going back to again, the early to mid 80s, so it was a grand time he was having with that.
1: But some of the some of the um, the things that that came out of Gallifrey Twenty m- meeting people like that, meeting people like Amy who had never met, we never met before. Um, I mean, Amy was great. Like, she, she gave us
0: all pins from that
1: 1979 convention. Yeah, a yeah, real sweet. So cool, like a, a original pin from '79 that they gave out at that at that convention. So I, I, uh, thanks to her and thumbs up. She's a doll and 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 we just again same thing we you meet other people uh, who share the same interests as you and they say oh yeah well well you guys were doing this in new york this is what we were doing in la and and although our experiences are different they're also the same in a lot of ways because it was about doctor who and that's the the unifying thread for all of us and we, i think we share more in common than you know than what makes us different when it comes to stuff like this.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Again, and we'll say it again when Gallifrey 21 is approaching. If you're <laughs> going to this convention and you're going by yourself and you, you haven't met any, this is the first time you're going. Just don't be shy. I mean, it, it may seem like when you go there, that it it may seem like people are already knowing each other and the, you may think that they're cliques or whatever, but they're not. If you just you just have to break into the conversation, just introduce yourself, and you know, it, it, it's a very warm, friendly family there so uh, don't be shy just get involved and and you'll make new friends
1: yeah absolutely and and like we mm-hmm. just and, mentioned and Amy, Amy
0: Krell was a, a perfect example of that and um you know and she gave she, she brought content there as what Ken was explaining but also um another uh new friend we made is um um Tara Wheeler who brought a TARDIS there so yeah. it was great, and um, we're, we're hoping to have
1: Tara on our show uh, to talk about how she... Tara been... and, and company, building yes. a TARDIS. So we mm-hmm. actually had two TARDISes there, two Tardi. Yes, That sounds terrible. <laughs> two TARDISes there. We had the official one from Gallifrey uh, Conventions on next to the main stage, and then Tara had hers, which was great because most people... It's very difficult to get a, a, a picture with the official TARDIS because it's right next to the main stage, and that main stage is in use. Through almost the entire convention nonstop. Mm -hmm. And it can be a little intimidating to go walking up and take a picture, especially if there's somebody on stage or something like that. And 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 so it's there more as a a prop, a visual. Though this time it wasn't on stage itself, as last year, it was actually right on stage. This was on the side. But Taros was in a separate room Mm -hmm. across from the main stage, and anyone could come up and take a picture with it. And of course, everyone took a picture with it now and it's become a tradition for anybody involved in the show to open the door and autograph the inside and um i i mentioned this on the live show phil collinson was like a little kid examining it he was he was a geek he was a fan at that moment he was in there looking at it because you know he stood in the real one uh at the Beeb, and here he is looking at it and and telling her that she's done a great job on it and and that you know he was he was asking her questions about well how did you make this or what did you use for this, and when she would explain it, there was a genuine, like sense of oh why didn't we think of that or well we used this and there was a a sharing of information as to what was really going on there. But Tara did an amazing job and and thanks by the way thumbs up for letting us and if you've seen the pictures of Lewis James and I inside the TARDIS. Um, mm. that was great fun and she let us put a pod banner next to it so if you see some pictures from gallifrey 20 of people in tardis you might see the the pod banner mm. in the background yes. so Thank you very much. I have much.
3: to say, it is awesome as well. And uh, there's a classic shot which I think sums up the convention ever so nicely where there's the three of us in there. There's, like, Ken at the bottom, then Lewis, then me. All And 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 people, I think, went crazy when it went up on Facebook. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's a <laughs> huge list of comments like, yay, great. It's, it's on great, the cover um,
0: of, of 141, uh, the episode 141, if you haven't seen it. And plus, yep. it's, it's going to be our new, like, official, you know, uh, cover oh, artwork but, for yeah. uh, by popular demand.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I, that's, I also... some of the, that's some of the goings on there, and and uh, we we, are we including. S- some of the John Levine interview in this episode, yeah, we're, Lewis.
0: We're going to forego, f- we usually do a feedback section, and because of, um, you know, we did want we want to do a wrap-up of Gallifrey, we're going to get, we've been receiving your feedback, we're not
1: ignoring it, and we're going to get to that. Um, yeah, a with, lot of it too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. over the last yeah. month, I, we've received more feedback than than we've received in, like, the last six months. I really was, we always get a steady stream of feedback, and, and we love it, and we appreciate it. But over the last in the month of february 2009 i i've received more feedback than i think i have like i said in six months combined and, and it was thanks <laughs> thumbs up
0: so but in order to fit into the show we're going to include john levine we also have an interview that i did with uh ben templesmith who um his comic book Doctor Who: The Whispering, the Whispering Gallery just came out. was just released on the twenty fifth of February. So if you haven't had a chance to pick it up, you want to pick it up. It's fantastic artwork, a great story. Uh, check it out, and we're gonna have more on that in. Um, Later in this episode,
1: and you know, we we totally ran out of time over the weekend. We were supposed to interview Tony Lee as well, who we you know were well, hanging out with both in New York and in L.A. So <laughs> at some point, got to get around to talking it's, with him about his comic.
0: It's so ironic. Some of the people that we hung out with the most, we never had a chance to interview. We, I mean, <laughs> we saw them over the course of two weeks. We probably saw more of them than we would ever and in, in, you yeah. know previously, and yet we didn't have a chance to interview them. <laughs>
1: It's, but you know what's nice if you're staying in contact with people and, and Skype and and the phone and all these kind of the computer, the internet. So it's just a wonderful way of staying in contact. So I think Tony went on holiday. So maybe when he gets back, we can uh, we can ask him to come yeah, aboard up. the show sure. and talk about his comic.
0: All right. Well, I guess without further delay, we'll go into these interviews. And
1: um... all right, so we'll be right back on Doctor Who Podunk.
2: Hello, my name's Wendy Padbury, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock.
4: What's that? It's a sonic screwdriver. Never fails. Drop the sonic device. Isn't my day, is it?
2: I one get me out of this one?
0: are you seeking doctor who news the sonic news driver selected doctor who related news stories delivered sonically all in a bite-sized podcast no bigger than a jelly baby
4: function of the sonic blaster, a sonic cannon, and a triple and folded sonic disruptor. Doc, what you got? I, I've got a sonic, uh, Oh, never mind. What? It's sonic, okay, let's leave it at that. Disruptor,
2: cannon, what? It's sonic, totally sonic. I am sonic door. A sonic what? A screwdriver!
0: The Sonic News Driver. Find it on iTunes or go to sonicnewsdriver.com.
4: Who has a sonic screwdriver? I do!
0: The Sonic News Driver. Get yours today, sonically.
2: Neat, isn't it?
4: Hmm.
1: Well, thanks for warming us up with a joke. Well, first. bless it's your That's always the way to go. This yes. is our second time talking yes. here yes. on Dr. Who Ken Lewis, James, yes. here with the legendary John Levine. Yes. Uh, well, or he just well, called himself the, the common man. And we're, we're live
0: here at Gallifrey 20 in Los Angeles, right in the middle of the convention. Here, Right so. in the middle of the convention. So yes. you may hear
1: some background noise. You may hear some people walking by. You may even hear a few questions thrown your way. We, we did set up a second interview, and this, this wasn't going to be it because we were gonna talk specifically about a single story. But we're here, we're in a party-like atmosphere, so this is gonna be about fun and having a good time and okay. catching up and regaling some people with some great stories. Okay. And, and I was hoping maybe we'll even get a few people walking by that might, might you know, throw a Say a few curve. things in like, there he is. I'll just grab people by the hair. <laughs> First, this is the, this is the 20th anniversary of Gallifrey here in Los Angeles, and you are probably the record holder. I believe I am. Actor Doctor Who actor who has been, I I, I was looking through the program and Gallifrey won, Gallifrey John Levine, John Levine, John Levine. Levine. um, How has it changed and how do you feel about it?
4: Well first of all when I first came to Hollywood it's very difficult when you're an Englishman coming to a big sprawling city like LA or New York and um, all I know is that I met several people like this lady over here and when I first joined Gallifrey they were stunned that one of the actors was living in Burbank. So obviously, um, I I mean, it it is very expensive in Burbank. I mean, I went to a hairdressing shop yesterday. I said, how much do you charge for a shave? He said, $5. I said, how much for a haircut? He said, $45. I said, sod it, shave my head. (laughs) So when I first came, Sean Lyon, who's always been good to me, he asked me to be their MC because they used to do cabaret after every convention. Mm, sure. And yep. I still don't, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away that they don't do it now because yeah. to see all the actors you've loved over your years actually do things that you would never dream they could do, myself included. I mean, I learned to sing, to juggle, to do comedy. I just stood in for Steve Martin four years ago emceeing the Emmys with a three-hour show with no rehearsal. So life can be very precious in L.A., but... Gallifrey is one of the great shows uh, left. There aren't many Doctor Who shows left anymore, yep. apart from Jeans in Chicago, which is very good. Um, so I was very, very flattered. And the one thing about We English, you see, we American actors tend to think they own the bleeding world, and they don't. They are in one show, and they think they become God's gift to everybody. Well, that's fine if you're making lots of money, but you know that Doctor Who made no We made no money. I was on $100 an episode. That's what I earned, 50 pounds an episode until I got to the RSM Benton, and then they put me up to $200 an episode. So we (laughs) made no money. So that's why I think we are more approachable, we are more approachable because I think we're more humbled by our success. Now, being Sergeant Benton thrilled me, and to this day, as you can hear, even by my voice, even though one is a little worn and tired, I've never been so thrilled at being involved in something so powerful as the issue that Doctor Who brings and faces its audience It's good over evil. And I have to hear and now say that I, I had a little cry. I'm a bit of a tearful man lately. I had a real cry the other day over the loss of my three best friends, Douglas Canfield, the director who made me. If it hadn't been for Douglas, I would never have seen the light of day. I would have been just John Woods living in Salisbury in England, which is where I'm from, the south of England. And then Barry Letts, who'd watch me. Barry Letts was the man who gave me my first part. He was doing a show called A Handful of Thieves. And all they they ever wanted were uh, actors at six foot two, because English love tall actors. I don't know why. But I ended up working for those two. And they, as you know, you may not know the story, but there was a gentleman who was to play sergeant or corporal Benton in Invasion, which is when I met Fraser. And I played a cyberman in the beginning of Invasion. And if you know the stories at all, I ended up as corporal Benton or secret agent Benton, because the actor that was going to play Benton was sacked for being late, two days running and Douglas Canfield, this hero of mine, who, by the way, had loved me. I never knew, you know, if you're not gay, you don't sometimes know what the love of a man is. And I realized there are a lot of men I've loved over my life, but because of the stigma in my day of the gay thing, you couldn't tell them you loved them. And I hated that restriction because I loved John Pertwee. I loved him and I loved Roger Delgado. He made my life. And so uh, I grew up as Sergeant Benton, I realized that I had a part and a half here. I was never going to be a big star because I, I don't push enough. I, I could have been big. My next door neighbor, I'll entertain you with a quick story. Back in about, I, I, the dates have all become a bit mishmash, but I used to be a great golfer. And funny enough, my name is Woods. And my son used to call himself Tiger. That's when Shell had that commercial where you put a tiger in your tank. Well when my son turned out to be a brilliant golfer, and then my divorce came through and I lost contact with my son, my ex-wife and my daughter for 10 years. I suddenly thought, my God, it's my son who's Tiger Woods. Until I saw that Tiger was a gentleman of color, and I thought, shit, what did I do that night? You know. So, to cut a long story short, to end up as any character in something as deeply inventive and so long-lasting, the longest-running show in television history, next to Meet the Press, to end up as a character in this show and to have people like yourselves, and I've never, ever looked down at a fan. I've always, anyone that knows me, I've always looked at the fan as not superior to me, but at least on my level. And I realize that's another thing I've learned in my older age. I've never looked down on anybody, I've considered everybody, like for example, one of the chaps is cleaning out the dustbins. He saw two ladies have a little tear over being near me. Do you know what that does to a man like me, to see someone emotionally, you know? And I realized that this waiter looked at me and he knew that I was a good person and he shook my hand and he cried. Well, how does that happen? Is it, you know, what is it? Is it a deep inner, I don't know, connection with the people that love you? I I don't know. All I know is Doctor Who made my life and there's no point denying it. I did nothing else as famous. Um, I nearly nearly uh, did the, got the Oscars uh, four years ago. Uh, I was third in line to do as an MC for the Oscars, all because of my English humor. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to s- I start off and say, I've just been back to England, had dinner with the Queen of England, you know. And, well, he said he was the Queen of England. You know. <laughs> you know, and they just love that kind of gag. So anyway, the long and the short of it is, John Pertwee taught me how to be a man, because my father certainly didn't. My father was a war hero, came back from the war. He was on the Russian convoy, shot down seven Nazi planes, and yet he came home and hated his family. So uh, the emotional side of me is because I look at all the people that don't have anything, like there's a homeless woman that's living on a bench where I go to get my coffee, and I feel embarrassed that I go home and sleep in a bed, and this woman who had a husband and wife and kids, a husband and kids, killed in a plane crash or whatever, now she's sleeping on bus stops, freezing to death. In a country like yours, why is she freezing to death, sleeping on a bus stop? So that's uh, the passion that Dr. Who taught me on the happier side of it. To travel the world as an emissary for the BBC has always been lovely. Um, I remember the strangest places that I'd been recognized. For example, 12 years ago my car, I've got an old Cadillac 1973 Coupe de Ville. I bought it for $800 20 years ago and I just had a new engine put in because I couldn't afford a new car. It had broken down on Magnolia Avenue in Burbank where I've been for 20 years. And the car was right across the pavement and the boot was the, the boot was at the back and the, and the bonnet was sticking out in, oh sorry the hood and the trunk <laughs> anyway it was pitch black it's 11 o'clock at night the car's broken down my wife and i are there you know when your car's broken down you feel all kind of isolated sure. and anyway these two people man and a woman were walking up the pavement and i said oh, i i thought i must go out and just say excuse me that's my car blocking your pavement <laughs> So I went up and said, sorry, it's, fine. He said, it's all right. Sergeant Benton can park his car anywhere. <laughs> and you stand back and you think, how on earth could you be recognized at 11 o'clock on a dark, rainy night? So the power that Doctor Who has given me and the self-confidence has given me has been awesome. So that, 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 that's really what it's done for me.
1: You were saying before that, that Benton really represented the everyman. That's why so many people identified. You said you, we've heard people, my, yes. my dad's favorite character, my friend's favorite, yes. my favorite character, yes. is that there's a reality to it, a realism that he was a guy who was a sergeant and he was a blue collar guy. Yes. And, 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 yeah, yeah. and how do you did, you, did you consciously think of that? Or was it just you being him?
4: Well, I, I told you, I never went to drama school, acting lessons or anything. I didn't have any voice lessons. The only reason I got my deep voice is I lost my lung to tuberculosis back in 19... Non-contag- non-contagious, but I lost a lung to my father's 60 a day. He smoked 60 a day from when I was born. So I sucked in that filthy fucking smoke my whole 19 years in that house and yet in those days we were told that smoking was healthy mm. and that certain brands would actually encourage your health mm. so I lost my lung to it and which is why I got my English speaking voice but what was your question Kim? about oh, like the, consciously the yeah. making the well I, what I did is when I was an extra I used to think how do you say words, how do actors say words now let me just go back to one quick story, back in 1963 when I'd done a, just a couple of Doctor Who's I always wanted to play golf but because I was born in poverty you know back in 1941 everyone in my part of the country was poverty stricken and I do a gag where I say we were so poor when we had a rainbow over our village it was black and white
3: <laughs>
4: I moved to Putney in London and I lived in a road called Redgrave Road which is the name of the most famous acting family in England One Sunday morning I'd met my mate who owned a paper shop and I used to smoke 20 cigarettes a day then everybody smoked in those days I gave it up 30 years ago now but I um, I was walking down my steps, and this is a true story, and you will be actually quite impressed. This bloke came up to me with a very broad Welsh accent. You know the Welsh talk very like this, very sing-song, how are you boy? Hey, yucky dar, nice to see you man, how are you doing? This man came up to me and he said, you're John, this is right next door, he bought the house next door to us, I was living in an apartment. This man came up and said, you know I saw you on TV last night, you're bloody good aren't you? And I said, I beg your pardon, because you don't get you didn't get compliments a lot because English people don't like other English people that make it they tend to dislike people that become successful so and you know I hate actors that look into cameras you know uh, always. <laughs> and anyway this man came up to me and said I watched you in Doctor Who last night what a great actor you are now I'd never been told that because I spent my first five years thinking I was shit a lot of actors do self-esteem doesn't come for free mm-hmm. self esteem is either there and you promote it within yourself or someone gives it to you through love affection or a little bit of honor and integrity. So I looked at this bloke and he said, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to RADA. And I said, you poor fella. I said, you're, it's a tough old job. I said, you know, I took me, guess who it was? Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> it was Anthony Hopkins. You could phone him right now and ask him. Now the funny thing is, what happened is he said, what you've got, John, is you're a good face actor. Now the reason he said that is. When you're acting opposite the Pertwees, the Tom Bakers, which was awful, by the way. Acting opposite Tom was, was not easy, and I'm sure you've heard that before. He was not a very pleasant man to work with. But John Pertwee was like God himself, the most generous, wonderful man. He would give of you anything you asked for, and that's why I became his best friend. And I've just found out that he didn't get on with his son, and I was his surrogate son. How would I have known that? I only knew it two days before he died. He said, John, I've loved you from the minute I met you. And that's when I started to realize that men can love each other and not be embarrassed about it. So the reason I ended up acting like I did, if that's what it was called, is I used to watch all the professional actors from, from, from oh, some of the big names of our day. And I thought, you know, what, what is acting? Acting is remembering your words. But more than that, more than that, it's being there on time. It's more than that. It's being there with a conscience and a heart. You have to consider your other acting friends. You must never try and steal that scene. He who tries to steal a scene will surely end up in the background because you look foolish. If it's your part, John Purty was the star, I was what, the sixth star, if you like? In other words, Katie Blau. I was like number six. I always stuck to being number six. That was my job. So the reason I became, thanks to your words, good at it is, I thought, if I'm only walking on Why don't I put all that energy into that, one moment when the lens picks me up. Now, I was one of those, the one thing I will praise myself for, I was one of the best not letting the camera know I was there actors I've seen, that's what Tony Hopkins noticed. There's a way of ignoring the camera, and the way I train myself is if your eye was the lens, what you do is you look at the end of your eyebrow. So in other words, you can see I'm not looking at your eye, and yet you would assume I'm looking at you. So what I did is I watched the humanity side of actors. Some were nervous, some were gay, some were straight, some were scared, some were so fucking arrogant I couldn't bear to be in their company. And there were several like that. And they're the actors that everyone else walks away from. They never end up with a friend. So suddenly I'm on Doctor Who and Douglas Canfield came up and said, I want you to say words. If you can speak words, I want to give you the part of Corporal or Secret Agent Benton well suddenly i thought my god and i went home and i remember being sick uh, thinking of the pain i was going to have uh, to have to talk so i went back to the bbc head office the next day and it was almost as though i was almost on the toilet all all day i was on the toilet all day love you josh so got to the studio and i suddenly thought you know what it began when john pertwee came up to me john had a little joke he used to play on me when I did something good, you see, they loved. I'd never been loved. My first wife was a disaster. My father hated me. My mother didn't know what to do with me. My brother didn't understand me. So I'm just like a typical Englishman in the middle 60s. No one, I didn't know anybody that loved me. So this word love, you'll notice, comes up quite a lot. Well, John Pertwee, he knew that I was going to be a good man. He knew that I wasn't a womanizer. He knew I didn't drink, and I gave up smoking pretty soon. And whenever I did something good, John would go, just wink and go. Well, whenever he did that, my heart sang because the leading man it was bothered it, yeah. to give me a bit of heart. That's when I started to become myself. And I suddenly thought, you know, all I've got to do is take my normalness and my lack of acting because I'm, you know, I don't know whether I could have done that kind of, you know, to be or, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm sure I could now. So that's what happened. So John came up to me one day and Roger came up to me the day after and they said, you're worried about this scene because I used to suffer from migraine. I used to get violent migraines so bad I've cracked my skull, You know all the usual banging your head, trying to break your head open. Well, one day I had this vicious migraine and I had to do a fight scene and I was dreading it. Now, migraine brings on diarrhea. And if you've got the both, life is hell, it's like losing both your arms. Anyway, the long and the short of it is John came up and said, John, stop worrying about this scene. I heard you read it at read-through. Do it exactly the same as you did. Now, the one thing I didn't know I had was a photographic memory. I was so fearful of learning words. I noticed when I read that script first, I only had to read it once and I had it. Oh, the trouble that saved me. The only trouble is when they did a rewrite, suddenly you thought, shit, it's changed. So now you have to go back and double check. So anyway, I'm there and John Pertwee came out and said, you know, John, that was one of the best pieces of acting you've ever done. (gasps) And you go back. I went to my dressing room and I cried like I always did. And I thought, my God, John Pertwee did that for me. So from then on, I couldn't wait to get my uniform on and I couldn't wait to get on that set. And because I was a humorous man, I made everybody laugh and one of the big things that I made them laugh is I used to see movies that I remembered would be good and I'd go in rehearsal and say everybody you've got to go and see that and they'd all watch it that night and come back and say you bastard it was terrible <laughs> you know. it was absolutely awful." and by the way just <laughs> off the Doctor Who's subject may I just ask have you seen Slumdog Millionaire?
3: Not yet personally no.
4: I am begging you this is not a movie this will cripple your emotions. I haven't been this Moved. It moved it's got to josh it's got it is stunning and the leading man is a young englishman born in bloody birmingham i think
1: and danny Boyle.
4: danny, danny who is he and how did he direct a movie like that you wait till you see it it is it, it's alarming and there are scenes in there that make you think jesus christ what are we humans about because what are we about we just seem to kill rape maim and bad things anyway back to the pod shop. yeah so suddenly i became sure of myself even though because a lousy marriage is the you know a lousy relationship and whether you're married or not can kill your life so suddenly i then roger delgado joined and roger was a dream he lived in a little thatched cottage in a place called twickenham he was married to the most beautiful woman in england her name was kismet delgado and back in england we have a chocolate called Fry's chocolate and they make a chocolate bar called turkish delight and she was the ad for Turkish Delight. And she was so adorable. When, she, when Roger died, you know, do you know how he died, may I just say? He was making a movie in Turkey, and they drove over a 2,000-foot cliff, and so there would have been nothing left of Roger. Horrible loss. And we heard it on the radio just before we were starting rehearsals. Can you imagine? Roger Delgado dies in wherever country. So anyway, the long and the short of it is I suddenly uh, fell over your face. Suddenly I realized that I'm not a bad actor, and suddenly i got Roger and Pat Troughton in his day. Pat came up to me and said, John, don't, and I used to worry so much, and he said, don't worry about it, you can do it. So we now know the rest is history, but if it hadn't been for the intense goodwill of Roger, John, Douglas, Barry Letts, the producer, and Patrick Troughton, I would have not been the man I am now, and I like to think I'm a good man. I would hate to be a bad man. I would hate to be a bad man.
1: And it all started from being on time? I've never been there. Do
4: you know, I get to funerals before people die. I, I do. I do. And, and, oh, do you know, I've got one gag. It's a little rude, but I've got to tell you. I was in a jewelry shop getting my watch fixed. And this bloke went and, and he... No, no, actually, I can't tell you. No, it's too rude. I'm, no, I realize it's too rude. <laughs> Uh, yes. Wait yeah. right. for Parchak After dark. So, yes, yes, we have yes. Parchak After dark. <laughs> so anyway, that, that was it. And then, of course, Sergeant Benton became, a, uh, if, you, uh, if I may say, a vital part uh, of the unit Definitely. family. Definitely. And, and I mean, again, I didn't know that look until five years after I'd left the show. And it wasn't until people like yourself wrote in and said how lovely my character was.
0: Well, that's going to conclude part one of our interview with John Levine. John had more to say, and we'll save that for a future episode of Dr. Who Pacha. And John's a very animated fellow and in, in, in various different ways when he's doing the interview. So that banging you're hearing on the table is just John... Um, emphasizing his points sometimes by banging on the table with his hand—not, I mean, not aggressively, but just tapping on the table. Whatever. It just—it sounds a lot worse because the microphone was uh, sitting on the table, so it just amplified it. And I uh, do apologize for that. We'll be back with uh, again in the future with the conclusion of this interview with John Levine, Sergeant Benton from Doctor Who. Up next, we have Ben Temple Smith from the Doctor Who, The Whispering Gallery comic book. Okay, so uh, we have Ben Templesmith here with us at hello New York. Hello. Yes. Hey, at, hello, hello. Hello, at uh, New York Comic Con. And this is um, your first New York Comic Con and we welcome you to New York.
2: Thank you very much, it's nice to be here. Yes.
0: It's um. One of the, today is one of the colder days, but if you're here for, Oh, I like
2: that. I'm only, I uh, usually only visit uh, New York in the summer, and I hate it. Oh,
0: okay, so... Well, I
2: don't like the smell of trash in the yeah, subway. Yeah, yeah. Though
0: so um, you may just, get a little bit on Sunday. Sunday's supposed to warm uh, up into like the mid-50s, upper 50s, so. Well, that's alright, that's
2: fine. Right. Yeah. But I like the cold, so this is awesome.
0: But now, speaking of geography, you're originally from Australia, yeah, and indeed. you recently moved to San Diego. I did indeed. So, what was that process like? Uh, was, is this something to get closer to the comic book industry uh, in San Diego? Well, I
2: actually work out of the offices of my com- comic book publisher, IDW Publishing. I mm-hmm. um, signed an exclusive with them. So, basically, I'm kind of an employee right now. I get a salary instead of a freelance. Thing. Mm-hmm. Which there are pros and cons to both. Uh, I like freelance, which is what I used to do. And now I'm working for the man mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the office, so I get to learn a lot more about how you put comments together and hear a lot more of the news about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was purely just for a work decision for, for, for a few years. I mm-hmm. got a work visa. My wife's already American, so I didn't I didn't do the immigration thing, so we just did a, a work visa. Thing, mm-hmm.
0: so. That's great. Well, we just uh, came off a IDW panel, which is the company mm-hmm. that you're working for now, and it seems a very impressive uh, company. It's a fairly new company that's doing comic booking um, since, what, early two- 2000s or late 90s? Or- mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I think they've actually been doing comics uh, since about 2002, 2001. Okay. Um, they were around before then, but they didn't do comics. Mm-hmm. But they've been around for 10 years now. So. And they're actually like the third or the fourth largest, or fourth or fifth largest publisher in America, actually. By mm-hmm. so, volume and I think sales. However they say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty big.
0: And you brought the idea of doing. Uh, now most of our listeners will know you for uh, the Whispering Gallery. That's just uh, that's just being released right now. Well,
2: hopefully they will. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, due to come out very shortly as yes, of this interview. So
0: mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of crossover fans. So I know you've done work with Star Wars and um... very very small amount
2: of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think I did a boring one. Yes. There was no Imperials. Or it was all about a, a Jedi that was slowly becoming a Sith. Mm-hmm. It was a short story. So
0: but now most people are gonna be excited about your work doing um, a Tenth Doctor story with Martha. And was there, uh, well, I, I, I guess- I
2: made sure it was Martha.
0: Now, now, why was that? Well, no, just out of curiosity.
2: Catherine Tate, but I don't really like Catherine Tate much as a companion. And, uh, I don't think they've got the right to do her likeness anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, 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 I'm doing Martha, right? So i likeness. actually thought Martha was one of the, my bit, favorite companions. So.
0: Okay, now no, that, we just- curious on, on why, you know, because the comic book is coming out now that Martha's no longer the companion, so that's why, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it sparked some interest why Martha was there. So, but that's... So um, the
2: comic itself was actually done quite a while ago now. Yes. But the way the comics work, is suddenly just coming out, so, yeah. But I, I was very adamant I wanted to make sure Martha was...
0: Now, now you so. you championed this project, didn't you?
2: I, um, you want me to sound like a Hollywood producer, I put this <laughs> deal together. <laughs> I was like, I like Doctor Who. They knew it. They thought it. everyone in the office thinks I dress like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said, I've got to do a Doctor Who thing. But because it's a likeness issue, and likenesses are a lot different than just drawing any old thing, I didn't really want to commit to a large thing because I didn't know if I could handle it that much. Mm-hmm. So one-shot, which is just a 22-page single story. Um, and then on Twitter, Doctor Who. Um, who should I meet but a whole bunch of other comic bookie people, including uh, Leah Moore, sends me a very nice message complimenting me on my work. She is, of course, the daughter of Alan Moore, Mm -hmm. who many English people should know as the greatest comic writer in the history of their country and the world, possibly. Um, And I then just send her a private message saying, hey, would you be interested in doing a Doctor Who thing with me, drawing, She's like, oh, that would be fantastic, blah, blah, blah. And put them in touch with the editors and they kind of went from there. And they came up with a great story. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like this. It would be a great little TV episode, of course. Mm-hmm. I could see it in my mind. I'm mm-hmm. an artist, that's what I do. <laughs> so, no, I liked it.
0: It's fantastic. Now, it's a one-off story. Yeah. If it does well, uh, should we expect more from IDW? Well,
2: I know they're very set with their current Doctor Who plans, which, mm-hmm. I, which they've got a lot, but I, mean, I wouldn't say no to doing more. It would just be a case of when and uh, how much mm-hmm. I still think it would kill me to do too much, like a four-issue miniseries or something. Mm-hmm. I can handle a one-shot, okay. But if I need a play cut, mm-hmm. it's very intensive work. So.
0: But uh, quite well, quite, you did quite well
2: with but it. But no plans as yet, but I wouldn't say no. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned you are a
0: Doctor Who fan, so n- can you tell us a little bit about that? Growing up in Australia, what was your experience? What was your first Doctor? Who are your favourites, or well, any influences in that direction? Like
2: the rest of the, pretty much in the speaking Western world, except America. Uh, we all grew up watching Doctor Who on the TV in the afternoons as a kid, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when I started watching it, but I was, you know, it was on, forever. and they every now and again they repeat all the episodes. Uh, and I was watching it as recently as like two years ago. Mm-hmm. The ABC in Australia probably broadcasted it, played every single episode they had. So um, so like yeah, Doctor Who still kicks butt. I like the old paper machine monsters. I like the old stuff. <laughs> and then the new stuff came on, and I was like, wow, I thought they really hit the right note between the old and the new mm-hmm. so no I just
0: so who was your first doctor
2: well my first real doctor was uh, John, Petr-
0: John Pertwee John yes. Pertwee
2: yeah I don't think they ever really went too, too far back in showing the original mm-hmm. two doctors but uh, John Pertwee is where I think that was,
0: mm-hmm. the stuff that was. Uh, is he uh, considered one of your favourites
2: uh, he's my th- probably third favourite I guess okay after Tom Baker and, and uh, ten so. okay very good yeah he's up there though
0: Now, as far as your your art style goes, it's very different than um, what was that. that, It's very different than the artwork that came before you. Growing up in the comic book um, field, there was a different style of art that was going on at that time. Can you um, point to any influences that that um, that kind of stuck with you that point you in any direction that you? Well,
2: my influences are predominantly. There's some comic book interests, I mean, uh, inter- uh, artists that I could name, whether or not people know them, um, Ashley Wood, Sam Keith, Ken Williams, or a bunch of others. Ashley Wood would probably be a main one, if people know who he is, kind of a bunch of comic work. Um, mm-hmm. But also, uh, on the real art side, not a really. um, guy uh, like Ralph Steadman, kind of, you know what Ralph Steadman is? No, yeah. He was a frequent artistic collaborator with uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Okay. He did the whole and loathing in Vegas sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very phonetic style that you would know if you, if, you, if you saw one of his things, you'd go, oh, back up. He, he's done a lot of, like, vodka adverts on the mm-hmm. back of magazines mm-hmm. in his day. He's been around. So. And, you know, some old English cartoonists like Richard Searle and uh, even like people like Quentin Blake who was the guy that illustrated most of the Ryle Down novels. Uh, I don't know. I draw sources from everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you did a... Um you did 30 Days of Night. That was a, uh, eventually has adopted to film, and now, artistically, how did that go? I mean, is there oh, something I that never you...
2: get asked that question? <laughs> never ever. Um, well, that was the book that actually gave me a career because mm-hmm. it was like the second book I ever did, and uh, it got uh, a film option back in like 2002. Where, well. um, and then nothing happened for about five years until near the end they uh, decided to make the movie. Um, I was very happy with how the film turned out. I can be cynical about that, or I can choose to be. I can choose to bullshit, but uh, the cynical mm-hmm. side of me says I am very happy about that. Okay. Because but, I know what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Because when you let Hollywood get hold of something, it's anything goes. They I mean, yeah. can change the main character from a, a guy to a girl. Change the change the race of the well, person. It's
0: it's almost right. like a child of yours being
2: yeah yeah. So I was taken I was, away from you and yeah. So I had no I had no. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't un, you know, I, I would let them do whatever they want because, hey, they've had us money and yes. I already have my comic, that's the mm-hmm. comic. They want to do a movie Yes, yeah. so they can do whatever they want. Well,
0: but, the comic book exists onto itself. It's its own thing, it's, so, it's, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Who, would
2: we, uh, who would I be to criticise uh, a film that gets made <laughs> off of my work? Yeah. Because how many people get that opportunity at the But I was really, we were really lucky anyway because uh, the director, David Slade, was actually a big fan of the comic book mm-hmm. from way back when it first came out. And uh, he really liked my art, and he wanted to keep it and faithful to my art, so visually as as the artist. I couldn't have been happier. Anyway, mm-hmm. I thought it was great. So,
0: Any other projects that you would hope that one day would be treated on the silver screen, or is that uh, something that you're more reserved about?
2: I'm doing a comic book. Well, I just finished a comic book, uh, another horror one, deals with werewolves in, in a prison drama setting. Uh, called Welcome to Hogsfield. Uh, that one probably makes a good one So yeah, it's a brainless horror,
3: mm-hmm. horror comic
2: book film sort of thing so but uh, I have uh, another the other one of the other comics I'm probably not most, most, most well known for is uh, when would gentleman corpse
4: mm-hmm.
2: it's got a lot of other story titles but it's like three volumes worth of material I've done for it now it's a re- semi-regular thing and uh, that'd probably be more suited to TV of course. but I I don't dream of Hollywood or yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I like doing what I do. If someone wants to do something else with it, that'd be great. But I won't complain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not what drives me. I'm telling stories is what drives me. Yes. So yes. that doesn't even mean I'm only in one medium. But but yeah, I don't do anything just to think, oh, that'll be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Some people do that. But most of my stuff's not really meant for movies, obviously. Yeah, well. It's, it's a bit strange. hmm. Hi. This is me. Sorry to bother you guys while you're eating. Um, we're big Doctor fans. And I was just wondering if you could help us out. Um, you know, let us know where you got your stuff, because we think they of doing a Dr. and Donna combo for a Halloween party this year. You get this in Thailand. In Thailand?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Custom made. Wow. They're talk, apparently talking about my, my apparently Dr. Who suit. <laughs> I'm not actually a cosplayer, you You're not? No.
3: Yeah.
2: Who are you for? Are you, oh. I'm, I'm an artist. A, are you an artist? I did do the Dr. Who comics, though.
0: <laughs> we are actually just doing an interview here.
2: Oh God! I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's I just, all right. No, I just, this I just so a fantastic awesome. costume. It's absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you. It's just I normally wear this. Thing. It's Ben Shira. Right. This is a copy of a Ben Sherman shirt. A suit. Right. This is <laughs> a, this, this
0: is Ben, um, ben Temple Smith, and this is his, his this is um, his work right here.
2: I love, uh, I get all my suits tailor made in time. And The shoes. Uh, uh, the shoes I just bought here. Sorry, it's right. some store. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks so much for no indulging us.
0: So um, <laughs> you probably get that a lot. Uh, occasionally,
2: I get. it. Once I had a, Dick, a guy named dressed up as Dick Tracy walk by me at a convention. I, mm-hmm. you know, I just dress. I wear a suit. Yes. Not always this suit, different suit mm-hmm. but apparently I look like Doctor Who. It's the hair as well. But, uh, he walked by me. He right,
0: said, he had "The pinstripes." Yeah.
2: He said, "So you like the doctor, eh?" <laughs> <laughs> i like, no, I actually dress like this normally, I'm not cosplaying. And he was in the full yellow mm-hmm. Yeah, racy.
0: yeah. costume.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I, I think that's going to uh, wind things up, but I do want to thank you so much. We're here, we're in thank a cafe at, in New York City, at New York Comic Con. Eating a Toblerone. <laughs> yes, and uh, having some lemonade. So um, I want to thank you for your time, and it's a thank pleasure you. interviewing yeah. you. And um, you have an open invite to come back on the show anytime you like, and we're hoping for success. I'm sure it will be a success. And Apparently, um,
2: the sales have done okay, so.
0: I, I know, um, is it io9.com has you on, has an article about you every I, other week?
2: Io9 apparently <laughs> stalked my uh, my Flickr account and my uh, blog. Yes. 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 That's um, the only explanation for it, so I don't, I wouldn't. It's Rightly nice. so, very. rightly so. Comments, not necessarily as nice on their articles, but uh, the fact that you, we them,
0: we, so. we learn to ignore comments <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or at least filter them
2: I like people to understand it. it's a likeness comic so you actually have to do certain things yes, Definitely. yes. So, if I can have my way with it give me six months to do mm-hmm. one comic that'd be great mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean I had a chance right now to thumb through these and you had shown some of this artwork previewed it online mm-hmm. so I had a, uh, a, a sneak preview, you know online but I really
2: enjoy your work mm. yes. thank you very much yeah, they haven't let me show them too much of it because it's only a short story. And it. once you show enough, you've shown effectively the whole thing. But so.
0: well, what I like about your work is you can tell it's art, and that's what I enjoy about it. It's a, it, it, it has that media feel to it. Of uh, and and you can
2: My art, usually it's about fifty fifty love the thing mm-hmm. for some people. fifty percent that love it, I can make do with them. So that's fine by me.
0: No, definitely. I mean, you can take any of these panels, frame it and put on the wall and 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 have it stand for itself. So, thank you once again. Thank you very much. Bruce. appreciate it. it was a thank you. That interview with Ben Temple Smith took place at New York City Comic Con. We were in a public cafe at the time of the uh, conducting the interview and uh, both Ben and I decided to keep that, um, <laughs> keep the part when one of the fellow attendees of the convention came up to us and, um, and asked uh, Ben about his, uh, quote, costume, which it was not a costume. He was not dressed up as a doctor. He just has doctorish style in his clothing, in his fashion sense. So um, uh, once again, thank Ben Templesmith for the interview. His uh, comic book, The Whispering Gallery, Doctor Who, The Whispering Gallery, is available, is out now. So you want to pick it up check it out at your local comic book dealer.
4: If you ever said to yourself, Self, I just don't see how I can add another Doctor Who podcast to my busy schedule,
2: you're in luck. Now you can. The Two Minute Time Lord podcast. Concentrated commentary on the worlds of Doctor Who. Available at two twominutetimelord.com or on iTunes. See? You did have the time.
1: And we're back. Dr. Hupacha, Kendi, Blues, Trapani, James Norton... Across the Great Pond, in uh, our Gallifrey 20 wrap-up and interviews, and John Levine and Ben Templesmith, amongst uh, the people we've been talking to today, uh, and just the three of us chatting away about Gallifrey, we hope that we're not wearing you down with all this Gallifrey talk. But it really is just a great time, and and that's I mean we just can't stop chattering about it. And I guarantee you, if you've never been there and you go, you'll be the same way when you come home. You're just gonna be like. Oh, dude, that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going um, to put a call out, if I could, um, to the Podshock listeners, because they're amazing. And um, I have a few things that, a few people I've met and a few projects going on. And I'm looking for some writers, people who have done some writing, who um, are into sci-fi and into Doctor Who. Uh, perhaps email me at kendeep at podshock.net about... Some things that I have going on. I, I, I'm making no promises. I'm just trying to feel out a few people, see if we have some people that we can come to a meeting of the minds on something that uh, some some things that I worked on actually out in L.A. So this could be pretty cool. But I'm trying to put some uh, some people together on a, on a project. So that's my my call out. And I it called out on my Facebook thing about anybody who uh, may be iPhone application. Does it, what do you call it? Designers or Code writers, what Developers. would you call
3: it? Developers, huh? I guess, yeah.
1: Um, with a few ideas that I have there as well. So um, reach out to the audience and, and, and make it a, an inclusive thing, being that we have some of the most brilliant listeners in the world and not, you know, it's, it's uh, people who are in tune with with all these modern fangle things. I was amazed at the con. I said, show me your iPhone, and people were holding it up in the air. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. At Califray, I'd say uh, four out of five people had, had an iPhone, and those who didn't have some other amazing technical device. But uh, the iPhone was thoroughly in the house at Califray 20. Yes, and
0: um, and three out of those um, four
1: are tweeting away, So, including myself and, and James. I was Potley. Facebooking. I wasn't tweeting, but I was Facebooking. A couple of quick convention wrap-ups, if I could. Uh, Icon, what are we on? Icon 28? Say, I awesome. think we're on Icon 28. SUNY, uh, it's not SUNY stony Brook. Ah! Long Island, totally. New York. Why don't I say that? The <laughs> Suffolk, Suffolk Community College um, campus, among other places. It's in three locations this year. Icon 28, April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Potchak will not be doing a show this year at ICON, but we will be down there. Lewis and I always go simply because any sci-fi convention in our backyard, we give uh, some major love to. And then TimeGate Memorial Day weekend 2009. And there's another uh, convention going on in Columbus, Ohio, the same weekend that's doing a a whole um, British thing. They haven't officially announced any Doctor Who or Blake Seven guests. Uh, but I'm hearing rumors that they may, so keep your eye on that. If they make an official announcement, I'll give you the the official skinny on this Columbus, Ohio one, but that sounds pretty cool and that's it's very drivable for me. And a, a quick shout-out to the group in Columbus, Ohio who went to the Blue Jackets game and didn't tell me. Uh, as some people know, I, I'm involved in Fox Sports, Ohio, so I was like, I could have given the nod to get them on camera that at that game but cool on you guys for going to the hockey game oh and and there were some people who had asked about some fan groups There's still a call out to fan groups if you if you've got a fan group your pod shock listeners and you want to make an announcement about your particular group i know some of the folks in in texas have, have made announcements and your know, dwny and the, um the, the folks in in um la have always given us the updates on what's going on if you've got a fan group we're more than happy to, to make mention of an, an event or your group in general, your website, to garner some attention. Uh, there are a lot of people who will email and say, do you know of a fan group in such and such an area or this state? And so this is this is sort of our calling out to you. If you've got a group, reach out to us, feedback at podshock.net. We'd love to make a mention and, and shine some light on your group. Very good. All good stuff. So... um any, I mean, any yeah, I'm kind of busy thing? here, Lewis. I'm busy. <laughs> I got stuff going on. I'm cutting deals. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great.
3: Ken's branching out into his own solo projects now at the moment. That, that's what this is all about.
1: You think so? No, no, no sir. <laughs> I'm a pot
3: shocker. pod shocker. all the way. Um, no, I don't have any uh, final comments. I just want to say uh, one big final thank you to everybody. Uh, who I met uh, in either in passing or um had in depth conversations with
1: everyone you there had a lot
0: good. of in depth conversations
1: yeah <laughs>
0: and debates
1: and <laughs> debates he and was, was... Um, James was like the um james was like the 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 main guy to go to i mean you every time you turned around james was in a serious conversation with people people i'd never seen before he just struck up a conversation with anybody it was great
3: (laughs) (laughs) great and and bad sometimes maybe but it, it i had a real laugh and i just want to thank everybody who i met uh either for detailed debates or just for a laugh, having a pint or whatever. It was awesome. And I think that Gallifrey is going to have to become uh, a, a, a scheduled thing every single year because it was just, I had an amazing time. And I think that's true. Of uh, uh, I think I speak for lo- both Lewis and Ken when I say that. It was an awesome con. And I'm already looking forward to next year. So it's, it's going to happen. We'll be there guaranteed, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Missing it already, yep. So let's start making um plans and then start anticipating Gallifrey twenty one and,
3: and start saving, yeah. And I think saving, I'm definitely probably
1: the most important
3: thing is yeah, putting
1: yeah. Putting well, a few uh, few coins to the side. And I think
3: that for sure I'm gonna to have to take a little bit more time out. To, a to, to get out there early and B also to recover. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it it is draining and um it it's but well, it was so worth it. Every, every uh, thing is is it would have been worth it just to meet up with you guys and to see Josh and, and Billy, but aside from that, just everything else just made it even even sweeter. So, you know, and uh, maybe maybe we can convince some of the guys over here in the UK, like Dave, to come along next year. That would that be would awesome.
0: That would be fantastic. Sure. All right. Well, um, until next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers.
3: Thanks for listening.
0: You have been listening to Doctor Who Pachak by the fan-run Gallifreynemacy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Pachak. You can email us at feedback@pachak.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at the thejeffsmith.com. This is Lewis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Lewis Trapani. You can also follow James on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Norton. And, of course, you can follow Dr. Who Podshock on Twitter at twitter.com slash This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. No small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri were hurt in this podcast.
4: What's wrong with being childish I like being childish.